2 Timothy verse 1 and chapter 1 verse 7 For God has not given us the spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind Bump your neighbor say don't be scared Bump your other neighbor say don't be scared You can be seated in the presence of God don't be scared. We got a saying at our house, we are not afraid of anything. Our kids, they, they don't, it's not that they never say that. We just gently correct them. Oh, no, baby, you're not scared of anything. Well, it's dark in there. Yeah, but we're not scared of the dark. We just can't see in the dark. We're not scared of the dark. We just can't see in the dark. Let me turn this light on. See, there's nothing in here that's not in here when the light's on. Your environment just changes a little bit. We're not scared of anything. Let me just say this. Uh, Psalm 92 says this in verse 13. It says, those that are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. If you don't have a home church, I'm so thankful that you've come to New Heights today. If somebody invited you here, they must love you very much. I encourage you, give New Heights Church one year of your life and you will never, ever, and I mean never, ever, be the same in Jesus' name. I want to preach into your ears this morning the idea of living fearless. And I mean for real. I mean use it on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, all through the week, literally living fearless. Uh, but fear is something in our society that kind of has become the standard or the norm. There are so many things to be afraid of. Uh, whenever you drive down the road, there's a thousand things that you could be afraid of. When you hear uh, uh, news around the water cooler at work that they're going to be doing layoffs, there's a thousand things that you can be afraid of. When you have to go to the doctor to get a checkup and you know what they had diagnosed your mother with at about the same age that you are, there can be fear that can come into your life uh, on what the doctor is going to say. And can I just say this, God bless every doctor, but there is a great physician that has the final say in your life. So fear is everywhere. Fear comes in many shapes and forms. As a matter of fact, uh, I'm so glad the Word of God makes it so fear, so clear that fear does not come from God. He did not give us the spirit of fear but he gave us power, love, and a sound mind. So in our life, we have reasons to be afraid, yet we are called to not be afraid. 365 times in your Bible, it says, do not be afraid. It says, fear not. One for every day of the week. The reason that God is so interested in you not being afraid is because faith is the commodity of the kingdom of heaven. And if you're taking notes, number one, fear is the commodity of the kingdom of darkness. Fear is the currency that the devil trades in. In the very beginning, when he came on the scene in the book of Genesis, when uh, uh, Adam and Eve were in the garden, and he went to Eve and he began to have a conversation, and he said, Eve, what do you think about all these trees and all this fruit around here? And Eve said, well, we love it. There's fruit everywhere. My husband tends the garden. Everything's wonderful. He says, yeah, but what about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? She said, oh, yeah, our dad, Abba, uh, father, he said not to eat that. And literally, the devil instituted fear into the equation immediately by saying, that's 
that's because he doesn't want you to eat that. He doesn't want you to eat that because you will be just like him. And now all of a sudden, Eve began to be afraid that she was missing out on something. She began to be in fear that there was something she was missing out on. The devil has nothing that you need. The devil has nothing that you are missing out on. Did you know... If you decide to live righteous and do your best to live holy, you're not going to miss out on anything. There is nothing more fun. There is nothing more powerful than living for God. There is nothing uh, more exciting than living for God. No, there is nothing in the kingdom of darkness that you need. On the exact contrary, fear is the commodity that he trades in. If he can get you to live in fear, now faith is no longer activated in your life. Because fear and faith are like oil and water. They do not mix. You are either living in faith or you are living in fear. And any time that you feel fear coming into your situation, you know that that's an area where you need to apply faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. So you being in church on a Sunday morning at a church like this where people stand flat-footed and preach the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ into your ears, faith begins to rise up on the inside of you. And you begin to reject fear. You begin to reject everything that could happen. And you say, I don't know what's going to happen exactly, but I do know that His plans for me are for good and they are not for evil. So therefore, I am going to lean in the area of faith and I am going to reject Reject fear in Jesus' name. Fear is the commodity of the kingdom of darkness. Anytime you feel yourself being motivated by fear, anytime you feel yourself making a decision and fear is the motivating factor, that is the greatest opportunity you have to switch it and to begin to live by faith. Somebody give God a big strong hand of faith, a big strong hand of praise. Number two, fear is focus in the wrong direction. Fear is focus in the wrong direction. Have you ever been on a ladder or a scaffolding or climbing a tree or on a roof and, and you're, you're, you're high up and maybe you're, you're on a ladder and you've still got a little ways to go and you're thinking, man, it's starting to get really high and you're thinking about it. Everybody around you will start saying, don't look down. In other words, focus on where you are headed and not on what could happen. If I laid a two-by-four on the, a board on the, on the platform right here and began to walk on it, I would do it with no problem. But if I took that same two-by-four and I put it 15 feet in the air and I decided to walk on it, now there would be a potential for a problem, but me focusing on what could happen would not, keep, would not help me stay on the board. You see, focus in the wrong direction is where fear manifests. Fear is literally grabbing your attention and putting it on what might happen and not what God has promised will happen. Uh, the Bible says that Peter and the disciples were going across a lake, going across the sea, and, and the boat began to toss and turn, and there was winds and wave, and they look out on the water, and look who's in the storm but Jesus himself. Did you know every storm you'll ever go through, Jesus is with you? Did you know every storm you'll ever uh, endure, Jesus is already enduring it? At least the disciples were in the sanctuary of the boat. Jesus was out there in the middle of the wind and the waves, but he wasn't complaining. Jesus is in every storm with you. 
The Bible says clearly that Peter looked and said, you know, uh, Jesus, if that's you, because they weren't certain it was him, because how often do you see a man walking on water? They said, uh, if that's you, Peter said, if that's you, call me out there that I can walk with you. He said, well, come on out, Pete. Peter stepped off of the boat, began to walk on the waves just like Jesus was doing because the Bible says these things and greater shall you do. He began to walk on the waves and he was doing exactly what Jesus was doing. But then the Bible says he began to look at the wind. He began to give attention to the wind and the waves. He began to pay attention to what could happen and not paying attention to what Jesus was doing. In other, in other words, when he took his eyes off of Jesus, he began to sink. When you focus in a direction that is not focused on who He has called you to be, that is not focused on what He has done in your life, literally it is in those moments that you begin to feel as though you are sinking. It is in those moments when the wind and the waves begin to, come, begin to become the epicenter of your thoughts, the epicenter of your mind, the epicenter of your issues, because fear begins to manifest. And when fear manifests, now you don't have an opportunity to live by faith because fear is the commodity of the kingdom kingdom of darkness and God didn't give you a spirit of fear number one fear is the commodity of the kingdom of darkness number two fear is focused in the wrong direction but if we're really if we really think about it fear is not always present just because of our circumstances it's not always present just because of our surroundings, meaning there are things at times when you can be afraid of something uh, uh, that, that has no bearing on what is around you. Then there are other times where you could not be afraid of something, but you are surrounded by something that should be scary. Let me give you an example. I am not particularly scared of spiders or snakes or any of that other stuff. But if I had a tarantula, in my hand, which I would not, just for the record. But if I, let's call it in a jar, okay? Say, if I had a tarantula in a jar in my hand and I began to walk through this sanctuary, we would begin to see what we would call a mass exodus. Many people would feel uh, uh, urged by the Spirit and the presence of God to vacate the building because if God can do it in here, then bless God, He can do it out there where there's no tarantulas. But the presence of the tarantula in the jar might not make me scared, but it might make you scared. Same surroundings. As a matter of fact, I actually caught a tarantula not too long ago. I was driving to Huntsville, and I was driving. There's, the, there's one town in particular that's got a gas station, and it's got one stop sign. It's the only stop sign between here and Huntsville. And I looked, and there was a tarantula run across the road. And I thought, there is no way that I just saw a tarantula run across the road. So I turned around. And I saw and this tarantula, and, and, and like if you've ever seen a big spider, like we live way out in the country, so we see spiders all the time. But if you've ever seen a big spider, you may have thought, I wonder if that's a tarantula. Well, let me just say this. When you actually see a tarantula, you don't wonder if it's a tarantula. It's like the size of a chinchilla, okay? It's like the size of a kitten except with fangs and more legs. It is crazy big, which is why I saw it as I'm driving down the road. It runs across the road. I was like, there's no way that I just saw a tarantula. So I turned around and I went back. And sure enough, there's a tarantula standing in this driveway. And I thought, you, Mr. Tarantula, are coming home with me because my kids would like to see you. So I grabbed this jar that it was in the back of my truck where I kept a bunch of uh, 
tie wraps or zip strips. And I said, you are now not a zip strip jar. You are a tarantula jar. And I went over to the tarantula, and God is my witness. I began to walk over to this tarantula, and the tarantula stood up on its back legs and showed me its fangs. And I thought, you are bang, bang, bang. No, I, didn't. I didn't do that. I didn't have a gun with me or I wouldn't. No. So I catch the tarantula in the jar and I go on to Huntsville. I was going to Huntsville to go to the dentist. The dentist was a very good friend of mine. I walked into the dentist. I go back. I'm talking to the dentist. I say, how's it going? He's doing all my teeth or whatever they do. And, and he says, I said, you wouldn't believe this. I said, I'm driving over from College Station this morning and I caught a tarantula. He said, you call a tarantula? I said, I mean a tarantula. I'm talking big as your hand. That, this is no joke. I wish I had a picture of it. It was that big. I said, this big? He said, that big? He said, where is it? It's in my truck. He said, well, go get it. I said, I will. I said, take that thing out of my mouth. Take the apron off of me, and I'll get the tarantula. So I go get the tarantula out of my truck. I come walking back in, and there's about 15 people sitting in the waiting room, and they're all sitting like this, and I'm just walking in. I've got a, I mean, who doesn't walk with a tarantula in a jar, right? So I'm walking with this tarantula in a jar, and as I'm walking by all these people, every lady goes, oh my gosh, is that a spider? And I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, what does putting your feet on the chair do to help you with a tarantula that's in a jar. What I'm saying is, the presence of something scary does not mean you have to be scared. We were all there. I was not afraid. But everybody that I walked by, now granted, I probably shouldn't have been walking by like this. (laughs) But I couldn't help it. How often do you have a tarantula in a jar? (laughs) Took it home, showed the kids, and the kids sent it to tarantula heaven. But anyway, (laughs) the presence of something scary does not mean you have to be afraid. I was about five or six, maybe seven years old. It's one of my earliest memories, one of those memories where you kind of have flashes of it. You don't, like, remember everything. And my parents took us on a road trip to the Smithsonian in Washington, D.C., which is a very big, uh, probably one of the most famous museums in the world. The uh, Wilbur and Orville Wrights uh, airplane is hung in there. There's uh, dinosaurs and there's a big whale in there. Um, or actually, I guess it's like a model of a whale or else it might be wet, but it's a big whale. There's race cars. And I remember we were in the Smithsonian walking around and my parents... They, they, they were showing us around, and I'm sure we had the, the little thing, and we're, we're walking from room to room, and it's, here's this one, here's that one kind of thing. And, and we got to the, to the train, and there was, a, there was a display of a huge train, and it was in the building. And when you're like five or six years old, and like my little boy, him and I are a lot alike when I was his age, he, like everything that is fast or loud we like it. So a train is like, whoo! So I walk in this room and there's this huge train and I was just mesmerized by this train and I'm walking around it and I don't even know if I've ever been close to a train but I remember walking up to the wheels of the train and I was thinking that wheel is as tall as I am and I was just, I was enthralled with it and I'm walking around and I'm walking around and then I turn around and my parents weren't there. And I thought, oh my goodness, they must have gone to the next exhibit. 
So I went to the next exhibit, and they weren't there. And I thought, y'all are terrible parents. Not to think that. <laughs> How many of you have, don't raise your hand? But let me just tell you something. If you don't have kids, don't ever judge somebody for losing a kid because it can happen. <laughs> you can judge my parents, though. They're on the front row. So I'm in the Smithsonian. I'm like five. I'm looking for my parents. And I went to the next exhibit. I didn't see them. So I thought, well, maybe they went back or something. So I go back, and I, I, I went past the race cars, and all of a sudden I got where the dinosaurs were. And instead of looking at the dinosaurs and being impressed and happy and glad, now I was convinced the dinosaurs were there to eat me. And I'm like, ah. So I went back, and all of a sudden the big whale that was hanging up in the ceiling of the building now it became jaws and it was coming to get me and i thought oh my gosh and i get back to where the trains are and i'm thinking man if this train falls over it's going to smash me everything that i had just walked by fearless was now terrifying nothing had changed except for who was with me you see Fear vanishes when you're in the right company. I look and I'm standing next to the train and I look around the corner and here comes my mom and dad. And I thought, oh my gosh. And my mom's crying. She runs over. She's like, we almost lost you. And my dad's like, it didn't work, Candy. No, <laughs> But as soon as I saw him, as soon as I saw him, what was causing me fear was immediately just something to look at. You see, when you go through the valley of the shadow of death, he said you don't have to fear evil, not because you don't have a reason to be afraid. How many of you, if you woke up tomorrow morning and you were having your cup of coffee... And it was just a wonderful, beautiful day. And you look out, and standing in your driveway is a nine-foot-tall giant with a sword and a spear and a shield, and he is cussing you out, telling you, as soon as you step off of your porch, I'm going to kill you. We're talking Hercules. We're talking a champion. And he, you're just trying to have your coffee. And then you look and somebody, listen, that's good enough reason to have a, some concern. So the fact that you are not afraid does not come from your ability. It comes because I will fear no evil for thou art with me. When you know that your friend, when you know that the King of Kings, when you know that the Great Comforter, when you know that the God of heaven and earth who looks over His Word to perform it and never sleeps nor does He slumber, when you know that the angels of heaven have been given charge to keep you, they have given, been given charge over you, when you know that all of heaven is on your side, you might be in the presence of something that is scared, but you don't have to fear anything. Because He is with you. You see, it is not the presence of something 
that can cause fear that most oftentimes makes us afraid. It is us feeling alone in the presence of something that can cause fear. So many times we go through life with all the things that can be scary and we talk and we talk and we talk about this life so much and I think we should. Jesus said he came to give us life and life more abundant but I feel it very important to give special attention this morning to the next life because everybody in the sound of my voice at some point, we'll exhale here and you will inhale in eternity. And the decision that you make in this life is what will determine if you need to be afraid in that moment or you need not be afraid in that moment. Because the reason for you to be afraid is not because death is around. The reason for you to be afraid is not because there's a grave. The reason for you to be afraid is because you never met the one who changed everything for those who would call on his name there is something about fear the commodity of the kingdom of darkness that tries to convince you that you're not good enough you're not smart enough you can't make it the bible says there was a man in luke chapter number 16 he was very wealthy and he dies, the Bible says, and another man named Lazarus dies. And Lazarus at the time was very sick. He had sores all over him. So bad that dogs would come and they would lap at his sores and, and nobody was running the dogs off. And he was, he was begging literally just for something to eat to save his life. He was literally begging for it. And a wealthy man dies and Lazarus dies. And the Bible says when they both crossed over into eternity that the rich man was found separated from God. The rich man went to hell but somehow God allowed him to look past what's called the great chasm between where Lazarus was and where he was and he saw Lazarus. The Bible says he was in Abraham's bosom. He was next to Abraham. I believe personally it was said this way so that we would have the understanding that those that died in faith still had to be washed by the blood of the Lamb. But Father Abraham was keeping them close until Jesus could do what he was going to do at Calvary. The Bible says he looks over and he sees Lazarus and he sees Abraham and he begins to cry out to Abraham and he says, Hey Abraham, uh, can you send Lazarus over here because I'm very thirsty. And all of a sudden Abraham says, Man, I can't send anybody across there. You see the chasm. It's too late now. You passed the time. It's too late now. And the man shifts his focus. He says, oh my goodness. It was true. What those preachers said, what my praying grandmother said, what my neighbors said, it's true. I have family that's still alive. Could you please send Lazarus back to tell them it's all true. You really will meet God one day. Abraham says, if they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't listen to anybody that's raised from the dead. The man says, please, Father Abraham, 
Send him back. Theologians argue this point, so I'm not going to pick a team. But there's a man that's a friend of Jesus. It's later described that died while sick. And four days later, Jesus walked up to his tomb and called him out of it. His name was Lazarus. I wonder if Lazarus really in that story, that parable, is the same Lazarus that Jesus called out of that tomb when Abraham said, if they don't believe the prophets and Moses, they're not going to believe a man risen from the dead. And I believe God might have been sitting in heaven and going, if one of them would believe, if I could just get one more, I'll try that. Jesus, tell Lazarus, come out of that tomb. Lazarus comes out of the tomb. Because in this life, the things that cause us fear the most are very temporal, very temporary. But there is another life. There is, it's more real than anything you're sitting on or anything you feel right now. The kingdom of heaven has no end, the Bible says. When you leave this life, you will be injected into another life, whether you are ready or whether you are not. You will either be ushered into the arms of your Savior, and even in that moment, you will have to fear no evil because He is with you, or you will find yourself on the opposite side of the greatest chasm that has ever existed that separates those who are godly and those who are not. It's not whether or not you've done all the right things. It's not whether or not you've said all the right things. It's not whether or not you believe God the right way over everything. The only thing that matters is do you believe on the Son of the living God? Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? When that roll is called up yonder, will your name be on that roll? I can't put your name there. Your mama can't put your name there. She would have written it in with ink that could not be erased. But she is believing God today. That today is the day that you are going to say, I refuse to let fear motivate me. I understand there are decisions that I have to make. But when this thing is over, I want to go to heaven with the rest of my family. I want to know. The Bible says this, for those who have called on the name of the Lord, we will be saved. And when we are absent from this body, we will be present with Him. The Bible says it this way. It says, death, where is your sting? When you're born again, when you're saved, when you go to a funeral of somebody who's born again, you know they're saved, there is no sting of death. There is still a, a, a memory, there is still a hurt, there's still a pain of separation, but it's a temporary separation. I want to see Jesus, but I also want to see my grandfather who pastored for 60 years. I also want to see my friends and family who've gone to the Lord early. I want to see them all. There is no sting of death. Death is not a penalty for a Christian. Heaven is our great reward. 
But if your name is not on that list, you will find yourself on the opposite side of the great chasm, the great divide. At which point, it's simply too late. At which point, there's no more opportunity. There's no more options. That's why the scripture says, today is the day of salvation. That's why the scripture says, no man knows the day that his soul will be required of him. Nobody knows. But when you give it to him, you have nothing to fear in this life. Oh, God, help me. Or the life to come. Please stand to your feet.